the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. We're going to continue in the book of James. We're in chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. And the principal message from James is throughout the book of James is to embrace your life as a new creation and live in conformity to the way God made you. The Jewish Christians could no longer live comfortably striking a compromise between Judaism and Christianity. It wasn't going to work anymore. They were being forced to choose. And really, when you think about it, this is a very timely book for us to look at. Of course, God's like that. Never late, never early, right on time with every word. And as I mentioned the last time we looked at James, the Spirit of God in this book is answering the insecurities and the uncertainties that these Christians are facing. And he's doing it with a call for them to discipline their souls with truth, a call for them to return to faith, a call for them to secure their their thoughts, their thinking in truth. Because they had lived as we have lived in the past with a complacent peace. They had lived with a relative peace in their circumstance, in their lives, and of a degree of prosperity. And now it was a time where they were having to question whether or not they were going to stand in what they believe. And here's the way the enemy works. He wants us to weigh the temporal against the eternal. So we look at our situation, we look at our circumstances, and we say, you know, the eternal's out there, the temporal's where I live, so I'm going to make, you know, the adjustments I need to make to be comfortable here. But what we fail to realize is that whatever level of comfort that we may have in this life, it's not secured by the world, it's secured by God's consent. Whatever prosperity we have in this world, it's not secured by our working. It's, cons- it's secured by God's consent because we are his children. And everything that comes to us, everything that we possess comes to us by way of him. 
So it's really the devil's lie that brings us to a place where we believe that we can hold on to some sense of security, some sense of peace by holding on to the world, by holding on to where we are temporally. That isn't the way it works. We are in a spiritual paradigm as his children. And that doesn't change. You were born into the spirit of God, birthed into him. Everything concerning you is put together by God, managed by God, prepared by God. It's his path for you since the foundations of the earth were formed. Since before the foundations of the earth were formed. So what James is trying to do is he's calling these Christians to the truth of who they are in Christ so that they can walk with confidence, with security. So that they can endure. And he starts this letter by calling Christians to endure with what? With joy. Endure with joy. Now look, that's what we're called to do as well. And if I can't endure with joy over a flat tire, I'm going to have a hard time enduring with joy over the circumstances that this world's going to present to me. I need to learn to endure with joy in every moment. And how do I do that? Do I find something good about the moment? Absolutely not. That's not enduring with joy. It might be Pollyanna's view, but it's not ours. We endure with joy because whatever we endure, we endure with him. We walk in his security. We walk in his presence. We walk in his love. And everything that we enter into was not by accident. There is no accidents for the child of God. None. Everything that happened, either before or after birth, that concerns you was in the plan of God for you. Did you know that? Because he worked. He worked knowing every choice you would make. I'm not talking that he planned your sin, but he planned the outcome. I'm not saying that he planned the the results of sin. I'm saying he planned how the results of sin would affect your life. Do you understand that? If he didn't, he couldn't say all things work together for good, could he? He did say all things work together for good unless you sin. In which case, all bets are off, right? He was teaching them how to endure the trials, tribulations, and temptations he knew they would be facing. Knowing that these things would prove their faith and bring out endurance and steadfast patience. Faith brings forth or produces endurance and steadfastness and patience. Because it is faith that invites the spirit of God to balance the soul. It is faith that allows us to look away from the visible or the temporal and behold the spiritual or eternal. It is our faith that makes us healthy branches that will manifest spiritual fruit. Now, that doesn't mean that God's not doing those things. God's activity around your life hasn't ceased waiting for you to wake up and view it. God's activity for your life is ongoing. And when we embrace by faith the truth that he is active, that he has done those things, then the Spirit of God begins to open our eyes to the activity that's going on within us and within others and around us. And suddenly we find ourselves worshiping in spirit and in truth, no longer in rote or habit. 
that's the way he made us. That's the process, the path of maturity, spiritual fruit. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit, the result of his presence within us, is love, unselfish concern for others, joy, inner peace, patience, not the ability to wait, but how we act while we wait, we're waiting, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, And against such things, there is no law. Now, it's self-control we're going to concern ourselves with tonight. Self-control is a supernatural work in the child of God. It is a work of the Spirit. It is a fruit of the Spirit. This is not God saying, come on, step it up. You can handle this. Get on. Stop that. Put your hands down. Quit acting that way. You can behave. That's not self-control. Self-control is the Spirit of God coming upon you at the time when you are tempted to act in a way you've acted before that would be according to the flesh. It might even be religious. You're tempted to fall into that path and the Spirit of God comes upon you and says, you don't have to do that. You don't have to think that way. You don't have to feel that way. You don't have to act that way. And what he is telling you is that you can now act according to the spirit that's within you. The truth of who you are. You would never be able to overcome those things apart from him. How many of you have tried to deliver yourself? Have you ever been successful? No. Self-control is a gift of the spirit. It is not something that we learn to do. There's not a course that we can take. It's a yielding. Now, this is a fruit of the Spirit that we can know and be confident of by faith. And when the world and the enemy are seeking to take life from us, by faith we can clearly see where our life is held. For faith allows us to know that what we have in life is forever beyond the reach of the enemy. Now, this will fill our souls with holy confidence. We are called to live this life by faith. Truly living is facing every moment in the confidence of his presence and his love. So to live by faith, truly living in faith, is living each moment in the confidence of his presence and of his love. Faith is necessary for salvation and sanctification. The child of God is the only created being. You've heard me say this before. He is the only created being who can choose how he will live. That's it. We are it. The child of God. The lost man can't choose. He's set until he chooses by virtue of the invitation of the Spirit to by faith accept Christ and be born again into a creature that can choose. He can't choose. Do y'all follow me on that? See, the child of God can choose to either live in a lie and walk according to the flesh or live in the truth and walk by the spirit. The lost man has no options. James here is walking believers through the fundamentals of Christian maturity. And that is the discipline of the soul by faith. The soul, mind, will, and emotions. We all have it. 
This is how we learn to endure. James begins with a very basic need. Early on, he talked about the nurture we need. We need to receive nurture in order to grow. And as I pointed out to you, there are a variety of things that different cultures use to nurture the body and different people use to bring vitamins to the body. And for the child of God, for the new creation, there is a nurture that only suits the child of God or the new creation. That nurture is Jesus. He comes to us through a variety of ways. He is already within us, but he comes to us through his word. He comes to us through the communion of prayer. He comes through us through the fellowship of believers. He comes through us through the discipline of obedience. He comes through us in all manner of ways, but that is our nurture. That is what affirms us. And we need that affirmation because everything about us in this temporal world is arguing against the reality of Christ's presence. Yet, with eyes of faith, we can see that everything about us affirms the reality of Christ's presence. You see? Therein, there's a choice also. So, we are maturing in our appetite for truth. We have discerning taste for the pure and unaltered word of God, and we have learned to be ever hungry for it. And that is part of why we should be intent listeners, voracious consumers of the word. And as we begin our text, we're going to talk about what it means to be speakers of the word. We're going to talk about how he has given us a voice and tongue for a purpose And James is going to discuss at length the bad side of that, how that becomes twisted and used by the enemy. But before we begin that, I want to remind you that the whole text of James is leading us towards the maturation of the soul that we are to walk in. And he talks about you should be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word, right? That was where he left off in chapter 2. What is he saying? He's saying that you have to act upon what I have placed in you. You have to be experientially live out what I have given you. Why? Does that mean you don't have it if you don't do it? No, it could be an indication you got a problem. But if you don't do it, you don't affirm the truth in you. It's about affirming the truth. Now think about it. When the enemy is coming against you, when the world is getting darker, when things are pushing against your faith, what it will affirm you, what will cause you to stand up in truth? And that would be the proclamation of your testimony. That would be declaring the word of truth. That would be obedience according to the word of God. Because when I act like he's directing my path, when I walk in the path that he's directed me to walk, I affirm the truth within my soul. With the truth affirmed, I can stand and bring testimony and confidence to my belief. But if I don't do that, if I live like the rest of the world lives, if I'm caught up in their momentum, if I'm believing their lies, if I'm continually hearing their speak and I'm not renewing my mind with truth, guess what? My soul becomes despairing of any truth. It sets it aside. And you're no different than I am, right? So that's the whole way of James. James. 
coming to this point about the tongue. Now, as I've said before, the breaks in scripture are not inspired, right? So what we're talking about is James hasn't changed subjects as we move to the tongue. He's simply talking about a dynamic that is moving the tongue where it should be, recognizing the tongue for what it could be apart from God. In chapters 1 and 2, he just explained the relationship between faith and works, that there should be a demonstration of our faith through our obedience. And as we're compelled by the word, To walk in obedience, we do so by faith, believing the Spirit of God to empower us and make our obedience complete. Now James is going to move from our doing of the word by faith to dealing with the tongue. Now, let's look at our text. We're in James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. He says, Not many of you should become teachers. Serving in an official capacity, my brothers and sisters, for you know that we who are teachers will be judged by a higher standard because we have assumed greater accountability and more condemnation if we teach incorrectly. For we all stumble and sin in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, never saying the wrong thing, he is a perfect man, fully developed in character, without serious flaws, able to bridle his whole body and rein in his entire nature, taming his human faults and weaknesses. Now, if we put bits into the horse's mouth to make them obey us, we guide their whole body as well. And look at the ship's Even though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are still directed by a very small rudder wherever the impulse of the helmsman determines. In the same sense, the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See by comparison how a great forest is set on fire by a small spark, and the tongue is, in a sense, a fire, the very world of injustice and unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members as that which contaminates the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life, the cycle of man's existence, and itself set on fire by hell, Gehenna. For every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and sea creatures is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the human tongue. It is a restless evil, undisciplined, unstable, and full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Father, Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. Out of the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. These things, my brothers, should not be this way. For we have a moral obligation to speak in a manner that reflects our fear of God and profound respect for his precepts. Does a spring send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, produce olives or grapevines produce figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Again, I would like you to remember what James is about in this book. He is about teaching us to discipline our souls in truth. So we're going to look at verse 1. 
Not many of you should become teachers serving in official teaching capacity, my brothers and sisters, for you know that we who are teachers will be judged by a higher standard because we have assumed greater accountability and more condemnation if we teach incorrectly. You remember when chapter 2 ended, James wrote in chapter 2, verse 26, For just as the human body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works of obedience is also dead. And then he begins about the tongue. Now he addresses those are about teachers. He addresses those who count themselves as teachers in their culture. You know, a teacher was highly esteemed. You could hardly carry a better title than rabbi. People would respect you. They would give deference to you in the marketplace. So it was in, a lot of people coveted the title of teacher. And it's not unusual that in that culture that people would seek that position, even though they were not called by God, nor were they qualified to teach. And James is discouraging them from seeking to be a teacher without being called of God, as many were doing. Now, this makes perfect sense because you remember that this letter is to the Jews of the dispersion. What that means is it's to the Jews who were enduring persecution and had been dispersed or scattered throughout the Roman Empire. So those who have been a part of an organized Christian church, an organized fellowship of sorts, suddenly were disbanded, dispersed as they went their separate ways. And they probably gathered together in different groups here and there. And they would look around at each other and they say, hey, uh, Joseph, uh, as I recall, you're, you're quite eloquent. Why don't you do the teaching? Well, that's a problem. Because Joseph wasn't called to teach. He might speak eloquently, but that is not a calling. What should be happening is they would gather together and pray for someone that God would send somebody or call somebody to teach them. They would pray and what they knew of the word of God, they would rehearse before each other. But not in the capacity of rabbi or teacher. So what was happening is a lot of these guys had taken on the title of rabbi and began to pontificate about the scriptures and what God meant about this and what God meant about that. But there was a lot of distortion going on, a lot of false teaching. So James is discouraging them from doing that. So again, without the calling, that would be a work without faith. Teaching would be a work without faith. And they would prove themselves to be filled with error and dead in their teaching. First Timothy, Paul writes in First Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, he says, Some individuals have wandered away from these things into empty arguments and useless discussions, wanting to be teachers of the law of Moses, even though they do not understand the terms they use or the subjects about which they make such confident declarations. So this, this is something that Paul knew quite a bit about because he spent a great deal of time in his, in his ministry working against false teachers. A teacher or a preacher is a spiritual calling. Why? Because you are a messenger for God. A messenger called by God. Given a message, sent out to declare it. That is the exact interpretation of what a preacher-teacher is. 
called of God. He doesn't say, is there anybody out there who would like to just say a word for me? Anybody like to speak out for me? That's not the way he does it. He looks at you at dead in the eye and he says, Todd, I want you to declare the word of God for me. And you go forward. And you know it's not your word you're declaring. It's not your agenda that you're promoting. It's not your idea to go. You recognize that it is God calling. And those people who go forward and begin to to take on the mantle of preacher-teacher without a calling are false preachers and false teachers, regardless of what they're saying. Okay? Because it is a spiritual calling. It's not about education. There are a lot of them out there that got a whole lot more education than I got. Forgotten more about the Bible than I'll ever remember. Those guys, if they have not been called of God, regardless of how many titles they carry, are false teachers. Because God is not calling men to give testimony of him. He is calling men to bring his message to men. You hear me? There's a difference. It's a calling. A teacher or preacher is a spiritual calling. And if you seek to represent God on your own, you will invite his wrath. We see that throughout the Bible. Paul speaks at length concerning this because he spent much of his ministry battling false teachers. We as teachers and or preachers are held accountable by God. Now the Amplified translate the Greek word krema, as condemnation, but it is more accurately translated judgment in reference to the judgment of works. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.